Ooh. And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today for episode number six zero is uh, Jonathan Tilger, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, a uh, snazzy dresser and uh, one of my best buds. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you today, sir? Hi. I am always awesome speaking with you, Jeff, especially we're on number 60, just uh, even more so today. How about yourself? How are you doing? <laughs> I am pretty fantastic. So I am actually getting a, uh, a, a video call from Australia right now, which means my buddy has been up late and uh, I'll have to call him back. That'll be an interesting one. It always is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonathan, today um, you wanted to talk about the transition from single family home ownership uh, as an investor to multi-family home ownership. This sounds like uh, sounds like a big step. I mean, in the monopoly game, when you sell all four houses and get the hotel, that's that's when you hit the big time. Is that uh, is that the case with investment property? Uh, it really means. I mean, to, to get into multifamily, first of all, they want to see that any lender in that scenario, well, any. I'll say prime lender versus getting into alternative sources. We want to see you've got a history of doing it. So, so usually the step goes, yeah, own several single family dwellings. And as, uh, as you know, we've talked about in the past, there becomes a cap on the number of single family dwellings you can get under, uh, under standard regular or just uh, qualification rules mortgage wise. So basically uh, five, five houses, right? Five Five is a max any lender will will take on their portfolio. Most of them cap it saying you've got five or more. They won't do it. I do have a, a few sources where we can get up to 10. Mm-hmm. But really, once you start getting beyond that point, uh, you can continue doing the single family, in which case you've got to generally go to alternative sources to get funding done, which means it'll be more expensive. Or you can look to multifamily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and multifamily, the game is a little bit different. Okay. And I... So- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and, well, you were about to ask me a question there. Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I was going to ask you um, if this is something that you hear commonly is spoken about in, say, the uh, investment courses out there, the books, all of that stuff. Do they really talk about um, kind of the maxing out point of owning residential single families? Well, that's what we we're talking about. The maxing out point hits between that five and ten point. Okay, I just asked you a question and you didn't answer it, sir. <laughs> In your experience, Jonathan, is this a common thing that people talk about this topping out point uh, when it comes to real estate investing? Like in the books, you know, the Kiyosaki's out there, the uh, Keyspire events, all of those things. Do they talk about that max out point or is this more of a um, learn as you go sort of thing? Uh, it's, I'd say more as a learn as you go, just because there are, in my experience, there's only a handful of investors who really want to get past that five, five to 10 uh, property ownership point. A lot of them, a lot of people I work with, hey, I've got two, three properties. This will give me what I, I need for, for my desire. So a lot of people don't even get into that discussion. Okay. But for the handful of, I'll just say, more aggressive investors who really see real estate as a way to go. Uh, yeah, you're going to hit that that top out point where it now becomes start looking at really multifamily is is a great next step. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say, you know, it's 
I don't know what the actual percentages are, but we'll go with the Pareto distribution of 80, 20. Um, probably only 20% of homeowners actually ever leverage their home to become investors. And out of that, you've probably only got the 20% that, that go beyond 10 homes to become, I would say, rather wealthy investors. That's kind of a, a misnomer though, because you know, two, three, four homes over time, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of capital in your your account, so to speak. But uh, when you step up to multifamilies, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, it's it really is. It's a different game, and the whole the mortgage process is different. The purchasing process is a little bit different as well. Just just I just from the standpoint that you need to look at a longer time frame for mortgage qualification. You need to look at a longer time frame to close the deal. Uh, we're, we're not talking, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, standard family home, you can get done sort of from offer to close within sort of three weeks to a month mm -hmm. uh, or sometimes mm -hmm. closer. Whereas, whereas you get into multifamily, you're usually looking at, uh, at sort of a two to three month process that you should, and that you should anticipate to close the deal. Okay. So it's not that long. No, it's not that long, but uh, I know occasionally, occasionally some realtors will just say who are standard residential realtors who step into the commercial space. They don't understand that transition and that difference. They assume, hey, we can have we can have a commitment back in two three days. Going no, two three weeks. And and you've never dealt with a realtor that's uh, in a rush to get a mortgage, have you? Oh, never, <laughs> never. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry a little inside joke there but uh, it's uh that that is i would say probably the biggest difference that i've uh, i've noticed between mortgage agents and real estate agents is mortgage agents are like yeah i can only do stuff between nine to five ish because the banks are only open nine to five whereas realtors are 24 7 run 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 right yeah i mean there are things that that as a mortgage broker, I can do, I'll say after hours, but as far as, Hey, I need an answer back from a lender. Yeah. That's usually during your standard, I'll say banking hours. Yeah. <laughs> which, which occasionally, yeah, we've got some that they've got, they operate obviously across the country. So I can deal with their, their West coast office occasionally if I need to for later times, but generally speaking, yeah, it's usually that nine to five are their general hours. Yeah. Okay. So as an investor, I've got my five or 10 houses. I'm maxed out. I, I've come to you. I can't get any more financing from the bank. I'm in good shape. Do I need to divest from those 10 houses? Do I need to sell my houses on Park Place to get the hotel? Or can I go to the next step, including those 10 houses? You can go to the next step, including those 10 houses. Okay. Okay. That's, for some reason, I had it in my head that it was like Monopoly. <laughs> and now... <clears throat> Say you you need to use those houses as collateral. Can you put a, a blanket mortgage over several of them to to use their equity to buy the the multifamily? If you're looking at a blanket mortgage, you're usually looking at more private type stuff at that point. Okay. Um, there there may be some other options, but uh, but usually, I mean, the, the main thing you'll need is the down payment for the new purchase where we can look to the other properties to see how we can make that work. And, and there are different options. We can look at pulling equity out of a couple of them individually, keeping them as, as single residential. As you said, with a blanket, if you're in a situation where getting started, might need to do something like that private short term mm -hmm. to, to make it work. Um, and the, so there, there are different options and really that becomes case by case. So I'll, I'll, I'll use the, it depends on that answer there. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, when you're getting into the application for for multi-res, uh, as we are now dealing with commercial, one of the first things in addition to the standard application stuff we're going to need up front is a net worth statement. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things on the, the standard residential side. They don't usually ask for that. They'll they get a little bit of it, but in that one there, you need an actual net worth statement. This is something that you can do up in sort of a Word or Excel document. Um, it's not something they're going to go through and audit that, but they might ask for they might ask for proof of yeah, you put down saying you've got two million dollars in investments. Show you've got confirmation of that. So would you need to put up the the title uh, or the deeds to the properties for that or? Uh, they, well, as we get into it, they're going to want to confirm the other properties you own. So that's where they'll want to see mortgage statements and property tax bills. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I always wondered how that was. Uh, yeah, I have 10 homes. Well, prove it. <laughs> well, and, and that's where mortgage statement, property tax bills, if they need something yeah. more, they need something more. Generally speaking, that's sufficient. And they can do their own title searches at that point. Yep. Okay. Um, now the uh, the net worth statement does a lawyer have to notarize that or no? It's just something you, as I said, you could do it up sort of an Excel or Word document. Uh, generally speaking, most of the time they're not going to go through and audit it. But if there's a question saying, "Hey, we want to confirm you've got that, you've listed that you've got these various assets," uh, be it in okay, you've got this much in savings. Well, show me a bank statement at some point. They might ask for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now. Go ahead. Sorry. So I was just going to say, now, when you get into the mortgage process, you've got two routes you can go down. You can go down the CMHC insured route, mm -hmm. or you can go the, the conventional route. Uh, now, if you go the insured route, there's a few interesting things here. And this is where you can actually get up to a 35 or 40 year amortization going multi-res. Really? Yes. Uh, and that would help. That would dramatically help cash flow, I would imagine. It definitely would. And the other very interesting part, and, and I didn't really understand this at first. I assumed, okay, commercial, the rates are higher. But uh, if, you look at, uh, if you look at an insured multi-res building and you look at a five-year fixed rate, you can often get those on par or in many cases lower than you can get with standard residential rates. No kidding. Why is that? Uh, Exactly why I'm not sure, uh, but it, it just has to do with, uh, from, from my understanding, because it's insured, first of all, it takes some of the risk off. Mm -hmm. uh, and the second part is that because they don't lock, it's not like, not like residential where you're locking in a rate saying, well, I'm closing 90 days from now, my, late, my rate's locked in. Uh, you, it, the rate doesn't get locked in until, until pretty much a week before closing on this side here. So as a result, you, they don't have to kind of hedge that is, is my best guess as to why they're on par or in many cases better. So I'd imagine if that's the case, that rate is not so much what somebody would be concerned with as, as much as the conditions of the mortgage. Uh, you want to be concerned with rate because obviously, especially when you're dealing with what could be a multi-million dollar mortgage, uh, in those cases, I mean, uh, a small difference in rate can affect your payments a fair bit. So how does somebody predict that if the rate doesn't get locked in until a week before confirmation? Really, I mean, can give a ballpark at the time of application where it's okay. at. And then as we get closer, I mean, unless there, there's something, it's, unless there's something dramatic happening that's, that's greatly affecting the bond rates out there, there shouldn't be a huge change. 
but there there could be small fluctuations. Okay. Um, so the CMHC is that uh, the cost of that is that kind of uh, uh, comparable to a single family home cost? I think it's a, a little bit higher. I, I'd have to double check, but it's going to depend on the loan to value you're going at. Mm-hmm. Where obviously, and the the other interesting part, you can actually get do this with fifteen to twenty percent down. So you can get fifteen percent down in this situation. Wow. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that because I mean it's five percent minimum and uh, residential, so fifteen percent minimum for a CMHG insured yes. on a multifamily res. Yeah. And now that could be um, five doors in one building or or fifty doors. It doesn't matter. That's correct. Yes. Okay, that's really cool. And uh, what is an uninsured minimum? A minimum down? Yeah. I'd have to confirm that one. I believe it's probably 25 to 35% down. I'd, okay. I'd, I'd, I'd be leaning more to the 35%, but it may be able to down with a little bit less. Jonathan, and- I thought you were the guy with all the answers. Come on. <laughs> I've got most of the answers and I will find the answers as circumstances arise. <laughs> Fair. It's been a while since you had to deal with that, huh? How many, uh, how many commercial transactions do you figure you've done in your career? I've done, I've done a handful. I mean, I've me directly, I've, I've done a handful and then I've got kind of my commercial uh, commercial sources. I go to where I'll often hand them over as it, if the deal becomes more complex and something that is out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you've uh, actually become a lot more complex in the stuff that you deal with as well. So you deal with it at, uh, you know, you can do anything from what, 500,000 to 500 million at this point, can you not? Or exactly, yeah, or, 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 billion, like exactly, really no yeah, limit yeah, to what yeah, you can got, do now. Got, got sources for some of those things for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, I mean, that's, that, that's going to make you walk with a little swagger. <laughs> Hey, in order to get five billion, yes. Now, is it true that it's easier to get five hundred million than it is to get five hundred thousand? If you're talking for a single-family house, no. If you're talking for commercial and large-scale projects, uh, generally yes. And it just has to do with uh, there are just say enough large groups out there with large sums of money that they would rather look at a five hundred million dollar deal than they would a five hundred thousand dollar deal. I've always found that to be such a fascinating thing that, uh, you know, somebody who maybe wouldn't be able to get a mortgage on a house can finance a, a, 500, a $500 million deal. Yeah. <laughs> and it just becomes, I, I think at that point, just the sophistication of the borrower. And um, would you say it's easier to understand the financials of a larger deal than it is a smaller one? I wouldn't say it's easier, but there would be an equal amount of work going into both. And that's, that's part of it. I know as, as you play in that larger scale arena, uh, and you know this as well, that, that a lot of people say, hey, you know what, our minimum, we won't look at anything under $25 million. Yep. And it, it has to do with the fact that they look and they say, well, a $5 million deal or a $25 million deal, we got to put in the same amount of work for both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we look at the amount of work involved and what there is to make on it, we'd, we, our appetite is the 25 and not just because the 5 million is not appealing. So dream big people dream big. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, 
what would you tell somebody who's about to make that leap? What would you, what advice would you give them? Have a good team on your side. Uh, make sure, obviously, you're making the leap into, uh, into multifamily. Have a good team. Make sure you understand, obviously, the building, the market, everything else you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think at that point, that's becoming more of your career than just your, uh, your, your side business. Yeah, I would agree with you there because you, you start getting into, if you start getting into sort of 20, 30, 40 units, uh, the money that, if you look at the revenue coming in through that, it will probably be a fair bit more than, than a lot of people will make at a standard job. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go to work for $22 an hour, or I can just cash flow, you know, three, 400 grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll stick with my job at Avondale. Um, oh gosh, most people won't know what an Avondale is. It's a convenience store. Uh, wow, regional regional chain. Uh, <laughs> very small chain in Niagara, but very uh, very common out here. Kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> and actually, side joke: if they sell beer, we call them Beerendales. Uh, <laughs> No, not often I hear you laugh that loud, JT. <laughs> Anyhow, buddy, on that note, is there anything you'd like to say to wrap this episode up? <laughs> well, always a pleasure speaking with you, Jeff, especially as we get into moments like these, because because you know and I know that we both laugh a lot together, which which is which is why we keep doing this. Hey, it's fun. Uh, thank you, obviously, everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate you uh, you finding us and, and listening to us. <laughs> And from my redneck territory that I live in, <laughs> thank you so much, Jonathan, for uh, for imparting your wisdom upon us. And uh, thank you for listening. We certainly appreciate you. If you want to find out more about uh, making the leap from single family home ownership to multifamily residential home ownership, uh, you can always shoot Jonathan an email at a Jonathan at a mortgage plan dot com or download the free book investment property income book. Yeah, <laughs> the Investment Property Income Book at investmentpropertyincomebook.com. And of course, you can find us on Meetup, Facebook, all of those things in Investment Property Income. Uh, we do uh, live, lots of live stuff, lots of live stuff. And uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, you can certainly find us on all of the major podcast hosting platforms, especially Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you later.